You're tuned into the Tokyo Living Podcast, where we help you live a healthy and enjoyable life in one of the most amazing cities in the world. Emil Gorgis is a real estate agent and founder of realestate.jp. On this episode, Sam and Emil discuss how he helps foreigners navigate the process of purchasing residential property in Tokyo. Tokyo Living is proudly brought to you by Club 360, changing lives through health and fitness. Emil Gorgis, welcome to the Tokyo Living Podcast. Thank you for having me. Now, uh, I know uh, quite a lot about you, but um, our viewers and uh, and listeners uh, probably <laughs> don't. So um, perhaps if you can just give a little bit of background on yourself, what uh, what you've done uh, up until this point professionally and uh, what brought you out to Japan? Wow. Okay. So I've done a lot. I've been here for almost 20 years. I'll be 20 years in May next year. So I came in 2003, originally as a, a work, just a working holiday. Six months to 12 months was the plan. And I just fell in love with the place. I think much like, you know, yourself and most listeners on the podcast as well, uh, you you kind of, you know, just get enamored by the city and the culture. And it's easy to just prolong your stay and extend and extend and extend. And before you know, it's like half your lifetime. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, so I came here when I do like, you know, on a working holiday. And so initially we're just, you know, t- teaching English because, yep. you know, working holiday. And then to ext- I got a, a job um, assisting a small like, financial uh, advisory company um, for several years, and that transitioned to a working visa from that. And over the years, I did from that to IT, and now I'm a real estate agent. So that's my full-time work. I help foreign foreigners uh, like, you know, y- yourself. Um, foreign couples or mixed couples, often a, a foreign spouse and a Japanese spouse, young family or maybe just got married uh, to buy their first home, their family home in Japan using finance, uh, typical Japanese bank financing yeah. and help them navigate the intricacies and unique, um, you know, quirks that the Japanese market, uh, you know, brings about. Yeah, for sure. And uh, and how did you get into this? I mean, what did um, you uh, go through the process of purchasing property in Japan yourself uh, first before you, you got into real estate as a profession? And if so, did that sort of spark an interest in the whole thing? It it, it did exactly that. And it's a, it's uh, I was actually thinking about it when you invited me to come on because I knew I was going to have to talk about okay, how do I get started in real estate? And it was actually a discussion I remember very clearly with yourself and Lani mm. at down in uh, maybe the, the Hobgoblin. The Hobgoblin, yes, I remember it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you remember that? Yeah. So we were, yeah, so I just bought a, a property, uh, bought my first house. So I got married, was pregnant with our first kid, and I'm like, okay, you know, I need to man up now and, and, and buy a home. And I was, you know, I could always speak pretty good Japanese. I um, mean, you know, I studied pretty hard when I first came here. So I tried to do everything myself. I thought doing everything yourself is the right way. And I always want to know as much of the system as possible in order to, to, to maximize, you know, my ability to operate within it. Okay. So I, I would speak to all the different banks and all the different real real estate agents about what makes, you know, all, all the quirks, the ins and outs of properties and of financing. And I basically did everything myself. And so there was a lot to learn. I was really happy with the property. And then after, I remember we like you know we were in in the Hobgoblin, and we were talking about you know yourself and Lani were were inquiring as well, like you know you were in a similar stage to me, and so I was 
we just said that. I think it was maybe well over an hour. And I'm explaining just a brain dump of everything I had learned over yeah. the past 12 months or so of my research and everything. Maybe you also remember this particular conversation. For sure. And, and Lani just said, well, Emil, you know a lot. You, you should, you know, do this as a business. And when people say that to you, right? I have a Christmas party every year. And I think it sort of coincides with your work Christmas party, which is why you've never been able to make it. Um, but uh, yeah, people, you know, come say, oh, the cooking is great. You should open a restaurant. I'm like, yeah, no, no, no. That's not what I want to do or anything. But helping people being able to buy a home and giving that advice, I think is so rewarding and so important for a family. You know, being an immigrant myself in Australia, uh, you know, having family security, family stability, a, a place to call your own to to raise your family is such an important piece of comfort as, you know, especially being, you know, the stereotypical, you know, father, you know, husband and father, the provider, you mean to protect the, you know, the protector. Um, it's, it's very important to have a foundation and a home is, is a big foundation. So I felt lots of value in being able to provide that information. Mm -hmm. uh, so at that time, yeah, I was, the one of the agents who I met when I was uh, doing my search, I didn't actually end up buying from him, but uh, he, he spoke English and he was a really, really nice guy. Um, I decided to reach out to him and say, look, you know what? I think I can hold a seminar for foreigners guides buying a house in Japan and explain, you know, do a presentation for an hour or two about all everything that I've learned. And they can come to your office and meet you and, you know, hopefully become your clients. Okay. And that's, that's basically what happened, but it all really started from Lani's comments about, mm, you know what, you, you should do this as a business. The information is quite useful. So. Very cool. Thank you. Very cool. Wow. I'm glad we could be a part of it. And, and to be honest, I think that the Hobgoblin should be giving me some sort of sponsorship. Um, the episode we released today, uh, the Knights in White Lycra, the cycling group, um, when they were talking about the origins of their business, they talked about sitting down at the Hobgoblin and uh, and deciding how they were going to get fit. Um, so, yes, if uh, I have met the owner of the Hobgoblin, I can't actually remember his name, but if you're out there and you're listening, um, yeah, maybe, maybe throw a, a little bit of money our way. Um, anyway... <laughs> Um, so how did you then go about um, you, you're turning that into a business? How did you go about getting uh, licensed as a realtor? And, and how did you sort of make that next step? And, and was it, did you just decide to um, uh, switch careers straight away? Or was there a sort of transition process where you were still sort of doing your, your, your previous job? Yeah, so it wasn't a quick transition. So uh, it was initially, I would just host the seminars. And we get anywhere from five to, I think the most we had was about 50 to 60 people or so come to one event. And it was a full house at the office, at the agency. And back then it was in uh, in uh, Omotesando, mm. on Omotesando Dori. And basically the, the premise was, you know, you'd come, I'd, I'd do the presentation. And if you were serious about buying a place, then you'd meet the English speaking real estate agent, who the office which I was working at, uh, which I was doing the introduction for. But what I and and then I'd get sort of some kind of commission or referral fee. But what was happening was most of the people that were coming were looked like a version of me. You know, they were sort of long-term residents, usually a you know a, a foreign partner and a Japanese spouse, maybe just about to get married, maybe just had their first child or pregnant. Um, and so really that similar stage that I was about one year or two years before. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, however, most of the staff 
you know, as you go, you know, you've experienced when you go to lots of real estate agents, agencies, they're younger people in their twenties or so still living in like a one room apartment, you know, like what we used to do when we were in our twenties, right. Yeah. You know, 60,000 a month, really disconnected from the needs of a family, a young growing family. Interesting. And, and they just weren't, you know, they're like, there'd be lots of people come and lots of people would follow up, but there won't be any long-term sort of relationship. The clients wouldn't actually stay in and end up purchasing a property. And I would say to the staff, look, what's, what's going on? How come, you know, there's no follow-up or there's no continuation and like, oh, they just sort of, yeah, no, they, they weren't so interested. So I started to get more involved. I'd be more involved with, initially it was just that host a seminar. That was it. But then I'd be more involved in, I'd do follow-up emails and then it became follow-up emails, but I'd also go and do the viewings. Okay. Okay. And I'll do the, some searches. So I'd, I'd help search for properties based on what they need. And then I'd take them for viewings and I'd go with that one of the agency staff. Okay. Because I was not yet working for them, but I'd sort of tag along to sort of keep them engaged. And the more I was doing that, the more I realized like, I'm, you know, I, I relate quite well with those people because they are, you know, another foreigner living in Japan, you know, with it, with a young family. So I started to do more and more and it would be on the weekends. And then, you know, because I could work from home as well, um, a lot with my company, I was working for an IT company at the time, the, the more, you know, I could just sort of fit in more of those uh, engagements with clients, mm. with, with the real estate clients. And that sort of grew and grew. And then one of the main Japanese staff who I was working with, he left the company and he was also the guy who was doing all the bank financing and what have you. So then I started to take over all the bank financing roles and then I ended up doing clients hundred percent myself. Mm. And there was no, none of the Japanese staff. And yes, it was a slow transition over several years, to be honest, Yeah, where I was able to, you know, slowly get more and more involved in the process and then more and more in the process. And finally it got to a stage where, you know what, I could handle it 100%. Mm. I don't need to uh, stay at my full-time job. I, and I enjoy the real estate um, a lot more. It's it's a lot more rewarding helping a family who, especially in Japan, they generally think initially that they can't do it. It's too difficult. It's too obscure. Financing is not possible. Um, you know, so, so many obstacles right? That it's not just helping someone buy a house. It's actually getting them from, they think that they are not eligible. They can't buy a house to showing them how they can buy a house mm -hmm. with great terms and great conditions, you know, using Japanese financing, hundred percent financing, even 105% include all closing costs, interest rates at 0.5%, mm -hmm. right? And so it's cheaper than renting. Yeah, Like even the costs involved to buy a property, uh, like a hundred thousand yen out of pocket versus almost a million yen if you want to rent. Yeah, for sure. Um, and all the hurdles of oh, sorry, no foreigners, no mm -hmm. gaijin. Oh my god, I, I, that is the most painful response to get on a phone call. Whereas with rental, you get that all the time. Yeah. With purchases, that's never been. That's just not a thing. Club three hundred and sixty is Tokyo's premier health, fitness, and rehabilitation center, offering physiotherapy osteopathy, personal training, group fitness classes, boxing, sports massage, pilates, and nutrition consultations. With two full-time locations in Moto Azubu and Higashi Azubu, as well as satellite physiotherapy practices in Shibukoen and Yokohama, 
Pod360 boasts a team of high-level practitioners from all over the world, ready to take care of your injury and fitness needs and guide you on a path towards a healthier and happier life. Come visit us at pod360.jp or follow us at pod 360 Rupongi on Facebook and Instagram. Now back to the show. And so then what are some of the challenges uh, for foreigners wanting to buy a property here? The big one is, well, firstly, the language issue and then just understanding of the market uh concepts and how the market functions again how the transaction functions Mm -hmm. so you know it's lots of foreigners hear different information okay the the, probably the first tricky one is financing Mm -hmm. okay often we hear about different financing options well hold on japan has you know half a percent interest rate 0.4 percent 0.5 percent and we think that's not even real that makes no sense because we're used to three, four, five percent in the yeah. West. And then hundred percent loans. Well, that sounds scary as well, right? Because we compare that to the West. And then, well, I don't have permanent residency, or I'm I just changed jobs. Well, a whole or as foreigner can't get financing. Or maybe they hear one of my friends, they work in the same company as me, they applied, they got rejected. Mm. Or they had to put 20% deposit because they're a foreigner. Mm. Um, you must have permanent residency. So, you hear so many different stories from different people. You start to make your own picture, yeah. but n- none of it is the whole complete correct picture. So you start to make decisions on uh, based on only partial information, which is wrong. Okay. So the big one is getting all the, the information correctly and then really understanding what is available, okay, is one of the big challenges. And then in terms of the property, that's the financing side. And then in terms of the property side, even for Japanese, it's complex. Like even if a Japanese person reads the contract or goes and you tell them about the the kempeiritsu, the yosekiritsu, like the building footprint mm-hmm. and the 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 building uh, the building rate uh, floor size ratios, those are concepts that unless you have uh, been in in the real estate business, you're not very familiar with them off the mm-hmm. bat. Okay, yeah. so. And that, that's all stuff that you you learn in the process, but you have it's such a big learning curve. And when you buy a house, it's only a one-time deal. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, so that's why I try to explain all of that. And that's why we're doing the seminars as well. We would explain all of that to the clients to really demystify everything about financing. And so the you know, clients know what their financing options are, how much they can borrow, what the repayments are going to be like. And then the property options, the pros and cons between a mansion and like, you know, sort of well, what we refer to like as, a, as an apartment or a condo. Um, so a, a mansion or a house, like a standalone house, a new versus used, the pros versus cons, pros and cons of, of each option. So just being able to wrap your head around that, uh, I think is the biggest hurdle. Because once you're comfortable with that, the purchase process is actually quite easy. Mm. Lots of steps. Mm. Lots of paperwork, lots of signing, and that's what the agent does for you, right? Sure. So you shouldn't have to worry about that. But yeah, if you just try to learn it all yourself, which is what I did my very first time, I have a thing for administration. I'm pretty good at it. I get a natural instinct to want to understand everything in detail. But for the ordinary person, no, it's it's ridiculous and it's a chore. Yeah, yeah. 
So um, if someone uh, you know, has, uh, is looking at um, a property or even be before they actually decide on a property and they're looking at uh, obtaining uh, financing, um, what, what are the different options for that and uh, what are some of the requirements and the, the considerations that, that people should, um, should be aware of? So the big ones for a foreign, uh, a foreign resident is, um, which Japanese don't have, is your residency status. So are you a permanent resident? If not, are you a uh, is your spouse a permanent resident or Japanese national? Okay, and then uh, depending on that, so generally, if your spouse is Japanese national or permanent residency, then great, you can still get one hundred percent financing. If neither for both of them, then you can still generally get eighty percent financing. Um, but they are the or if you've been here long term. So we've just had a client we actually signed this morning. Uh, we did the final settlement. Um, they are both foreigners and they've been in the country for just over five years. They're both foreigners, no permanent residency. Uh, and they just got 100% financing for about a 90 million yen property. Okay. And they had to pay the closing costs, about 6% closing costs themselves. But the, it's a brand new house in Shinagawa and 90 million yen, 100% financed by one of the mega banks um, at you know, the, the typical sub 1% interest rates. Yeah. So the, the options are... It, it is possible to get 100% financing without it, but that's the residency requirement that Japan, Japanese citizens don't have to um, meet because they're citizens. Mm. Then the next thing is employment requirement, and that's across the board. Mm. And how long have you been at your company mm. and the size of the, size of the organization? Um, sometimes the misconceptions are you need to be there for three years, but in fact depending on when you've changed or the transition it could be as low, little as three months at the same company is yeah. sufficient that's interesting because yeah. uh, uh that's actually when when we bought our first property um it, it went under lani's name because it was i think a, a year after we started club 360 and i only had a year of um, employment history at that company um so um yeah we at that time we were told that we had to basically put it all under under lani's name because uh yeah, I wasn't eligible to get financing. Um, so it may have been misinformation. Yeah. It may have been a specific well, bank. Yeah. Um, oh, well, no, but, but also like in your case, if you're one of the, yeah, it changes again, if you're one of the representative, one of yeah. the directors, yeah. if you're one of the directors, then the, the assessment is quite different. Yeah. And that's why a lot of times I tell people, so rather than you trying to Google and figure out what, you're eligible for and generally when you do the search yourself you'll find little snippets of information and most likely you don't meet 100 that criteria mm -hmm. so you'll almost rule yourself out of financing go yeah mm -hmm. throw my hands up and go, i can't do it i don't have permanent residency and then you just you just don't bother right you've already said no to yourself <laughs> yeah. whereas what i recommend is you know that's what i do day in day out is i deal with banks so when you're a licensed agency you have um, loan officers assigned to you from the mega banks. So our, our office, we have um, direct uh, relationships with uh, the loan officers from uh, Mizuho, SNBC, Rizona, and MUFJ mm -hmm. banks. And I have their mobile phone numbers. We're able to send applications on the client's behalf. Yep. Okay. Um, and e even if it's not a formal application, just you know someone's tax uh, tax statement or whatnot, I can just blank out their name. I email or half the banks still use fax. Uh, I, I fax it and I just give them a call on their mobile. I go, look, you know, I got this client. This is their tax return. 
this is what their income looks like and it's structured. They get paid some from, from some income overseas, some from Japan, et cetera. What, uh, how much can they borrow? Are they eligible um, if it's real uh, a complex situation? And I'll get feedback right away without, you know, it's maybe in 20 or 30 minutes, right? So because we have these, these connections and we do it all the time, rather what I like to do is I jump on a phone call with a client, hear their situation, and often the client thinks they know what questions to ask, but really they 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 miss a lot. So I tell you what questions you need to be asking mm. and what the answers are. Yeah. Okay. So I find, I gather all the information. Um, and then I'll based on that, I'll be able to give a pretty good answer from my experience, which bank will give you the best financing for your terms. Ideally, you want to get 100% financing at about 0.5% interest is the yeah. ideal situation. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, and, and do you consider those mega banks uh, the best option for most people? The, yes, because the, the the other banks as well, like, you know, when you're going to paying 0.4, 0.5%, it's, that's kind of the cheapest it gets. Even the, the net banks, like Eon Bank now, Sony Bank, they do like, you know, about the same thing, 0 0.4, 0.42. So we're talking like about 0.1%, 0.05% difference in the interest rate in terms of the competitiveness mm, between yeah. them. Yeah. So if you can get it with a mega bank, generally, okay, that's fine. It's easy. You can try to do it with another bank. However, one, you have to do the process all yourself because I don't engage with them yeah, so sure. much, but you still can if you like. Um, but yeah, the, the difference in price and the interest that you save is not, is not a great deal. Yeah. Um, what one strategy and also one of the other issues that we have is if you try to do it yourself, there's a good chance that you may drop the ball, um, or there's just delay in you doing it. And Jen, when you've, and I think you experienced this as well, when, we're, when, when you're looking, if it takes time to get the result of pre-approval you may miss out on the property because you've Absolutely. been searching for for months and months when you finally decide on the right property if you're not ready to jump on it uh it may get taken away yeah like so someone else may make an offer yeah and that's what happened to us actually with our first property we we missed out well so initially we missed out because uh someone else got in while we were waiting for um approval and then that person actually backed out at the last minute so we were able to to get the property but um yeah i understand completely um one thing i mean what about uh if someone obviously they go through the process with you you um liaise with the 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 bank say it is going through one of those mega banks but um what about the argument that maybe some of the more sort of foreigner friendly banks like um i know there's prestia and shinsei shinsei maybe not but i'm aware with prestia where there's um a lot more sort of english support available and um you know the uh if you were to do all your banking with that bank maybe the internet banking options are a little bit uh, easier to deal with and things like that what would you say if someone approached you with that sort of um, argument not argument but just yeah uh, oh the idea I get that a lot, especially, you know, like my first loan was with Shinsei Bank. Mm -hmm. uh, I definitely understand. And uh, fine, yeah, if you want to go with Shinsei or Prestia, that's that's fine. But again, if you want to get into like, you know, fine details of that, some of those banks, they give a pre-approval. They don't do pre-approvals. It takes two weeks for the formal approval. Yeah. Now, let's say you see, you see a property on Saturday 
and then you want to make an, an offer that week. If you try, you want to go with uh, Presti or Shinsei, you're not going to get the approval for another two weeks. Yeah. And you cannot make an offer until you have the approval in hand. Mm -hmm. So the mega banks can give you a 48-hour pre-approval turnaround. That was going to be my next so question. By yeah. yeah, so by Tuesday, Wednesday, we've got the pre-approval and we can lock in the contract. Mm -hmm. Then then you can, and what I tell clients, look, let's lock in the contract. And then you have, say, one month, two months, depends on where, when settlement is, to actually go and take your time, go to Prestia, go to Shinsei, go to the other banks and try to get a better deal. Mm. Because once you've locked in the contract, the seller doesn't really care which bank you want to finance with. Of course. Yeah. As long as you have approval. You've got the fallback of the mega bank pre-approval, mm. which is fine. But yeah, you you do have the option to find uh, another bank. And with the pre-approval, there's no actual obligation. Yeah, okay. So so the real benefit of it is the 48-hour turnaround time. Yeah. For yeah. pre-approval. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. But yeah, yeah like the... You know, Prestia right now, uh, Shinsei actually right now have pretty good deals with their long-term 35-year um, uh, fixed interest, about 1.47%. And Prestia is actually very competitive. They're 0.45 and 0.65% for their interest rates. They're actually one of the more competitive ones. Mm -hmm. So yeah, if, yeah, if you can get it, I, I recommend it. Their turnaround yeah. time is, you, you, you will lose the property if you wait for two weeks. If it's such a good property, you've been looking for a few months and it's fine for you. Foreigners tend to be quite strict on their requirements. They want right. their perfect or dream home. Yes. So when you finally find the place that you want, chances are a Japanese family would really jump on it right away. And sorry, but you know, you know, Taro Yamada, who's yeah. been working at, at, at Sony for 15 years, is going to be able to get that 48 hour turnaround time on a pre-approval or you're there mucking around taking two weeks sure 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 yeah it's always it's always taro that's <laughs> <laughs> it that guy uh, the yamadas elana jade is a friendly bilingual beauty salon located in azubujuba in tokyo that provides a relaxing haven where guests come to escape the hustle and bustle of city life all products used in elana jade organic skincare lines are delivered by local and internationally trained and experienced therapists. Alana Jade's wide range of deluxe beauty treatments of facials, nails, waxing, massage and eyelash treatments will have you looking your best from head to toe. Receive 20% off your first treatment when mentioning Tokyo Living Podcast when booking. And so then if we sort of move on to uh, the, the property itself. So obviously um, in, in real estate, uh, location, location, locations, everything. Um, what sort of factors uh, do you take into consideration when a family sort of approaches you and, and um, you know, wants to uh, discuss location uh, in terms of per, uh, property purchase? Yeah, so that one, a big part of it through my own personal experience is, well, where, where do you live now? What do you like? Where's your current stomping ground? Most people that are looking to buy have been living here for some time already, and they have an area that they're familiar with, and that's that's what makes sense. Mm -hmm. their, their kids might be in a local school there, or or um, maybe you know if you go to international school, it's along one of the bus routes, mm -hmm. so they'll already have a place that they're familiar with. Um, and if that doesn't make sense, for example, in terms of finance, or you know they're ready to to spread out a little bit. Generally, I say like further down the same train line. Train lines often have similar atmospheres. You know, mm. Dengen Toshi line, Inokashira yeah. line, Kyo line, Toyoko line. 
each stop along the same train line is a similar vibe. So if you want to keep the similar vibe, and then also you're familiar with that train is convenient to get into work, okay, commute access, then that's the first sort of step to move out. Um, then, but the other option, and, and generally what happens is people are living in apartments, but when you when they're renting, it'll generally be in a mansion or apartment. But foreigners, when they buy, kind of like a, a standalone home. Mm. So if, often you'll need to be maybe a bit further out than where you currently are. Mm. So the first guidance, okay, which train lines do you like right now? Or what's convenient to get into work? And then we'll take it from there. The other one is if one of the spouses is Japanese, okay, often it's Japanese wife. Um, and because I work with families, often kids are involved or maybe they're considering kids. Where do the parents live? Which train line do the parents live on? Because, you know, I've got three little kids myself and grandma and grandpa come every other, you know, every other day to spend time with with our kids and, and babysit and what have you. Mm -hmm. So you want close access to them. So if, you know, if the person says, oh, they, they live in, you know, in Aichi, well, okay, so you don't have to worry about that being a regular visit. But if they're on the, the Keio line or, you know, the, um, you know, the, the Toyoka line, that also has extra relevance and and convenience to you that that makes sense to purchase on one of those lines. So they're generally the first steps that that we look at. It's where you currently live, and then like when then what's good access to work and what's good access to the grandparents. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, have you noticed any sort of trend in the last couple of years with? Um, people because of the pandemic starting to do more work remotely and then that at the moment seeming like something that's going to uh, continue sort of hybrid work environment um, indefinitely are there people that are now looking to move further out from central Tokyo in order to have a little bit more space to have you know a bit more of a home office where they can um, uh, where they can sort of go ahead with that um, hybrid working environment and, and do a lot more of their work from home yeah, that's actually a very good observation. Um, we're noticing that in particular, we're at 22 to 2020, sort of the start, the first like 12 months of the pandemic in particular. Um, and now it's more become the norm. But what was happening was there were two kinds of clients, right? The ones that were like, that enjoyed living in Tokyo and the ones that were like, we're only really here for work, but I want to be in the countryside. Mm. So the ones who were, you know, who wanted to be in the countryside, this was their chance, and they're buying places in Nagano or you know Fujisawa, yeah, yeah. right, close to the beach, and just like, okay, I can be away, I can be one hundred percent remote, and this is going to be the new normal is I can be remote. Mm -hmm. So that's one clientele, and I kind of just stick with Tokyo. I can't do a good job of showing you a place in Nagano because I can't go there every weekend to show you different listings over and over again until you find the right place. Yeah. A local agent will be better there. But in Tokyo, yeah, what we were finding was a lot of people were, especially business professionals, they could work more frequently at home, but they still needed to come to the office maybe once a week, once every two weeks, maybe twice a week. And even back then when it was still 100% you know, work from home, like the first 12 months of COVID, they could still see that that was going to be the new normal, that it will be more remote than actual in-office work. but So they still needed access and proximity to Tokyo, but they needed a home office. They needed extra, an extra room. So what was happening was, you know, rather than being like the, the size of the apartment or the size of the house and the extra room 
was having more value than proximity. Mm. Okay, so you could be, instead of being, you know, three stops away from, from Shibuya, you could be, you know, like instead of being 10, 15 minutes away from Shibuya, you could be 35, 40 minutes away. Mm. Okay, further down the train line, almost even over to Kawasaki, if you think of west west part of Tokyo. Mm. And instead of being, because you're not going to the train, catching the train so often, instead of being, you know, under 10 minutes from the station, you could be, you know, 15 minutes from the station, a little bit further away. So further down the train line and a little bit further walk from the station. Yeah. But you needed a home office. That's kind of what changed, but the budget didn't really change because yeah, exactly. the income stays the same. And in general, banks give you about seven times your gross annual income. That's mm. how it works. So, um, yeah, so pretty much that's what uh, I, we noticed that the trend was. Um, and are there any areas where you just flat out don't recommend people buy, like uh, any sort of ghetto areas or, or any areas where you think that there's like the risk of decrease in value or no sort of appreciable increase in the long term or just people, you know, the areas that you've found that people don't really enjoy living in? Um, not really areas so much. And your question is sort of posed in the mindset of what we'd expect in like in, yes. in yes. Western countries, yeah, which is like capital growth. Yeah, yeah. Right. It's all about like what's going to go up, what's going to appreciate. Um, the Japan market dynamics are a bit different. So yeah. Look, central Tokyo, realistically, over the past decade, um, has just appreciated constantly since uh, Abenomics started. I think it was like 2012, 2013. Um, and then the Olympics were announced, I think, shortly after that. Um, the, like, you know, Tokyo hosting Olympics. It's been, you know, solid growth. And I think, you know, you've bought a house and you've noticed prices in general. Uh, they've just gone steadily up at a few percent per year. There haven't been any crazy spikes, but they've steadily sort of gone up. However, traditionally in Japanese market, that hasn't been the case. Yeah. Um, and there's nothing too outrageous with it. Um, what makes buying in Japan a good deal is the low interest rates. Yeah, of course. Okay, so when, when interest rates are like half a percent or 0.7%, over the 35-year life of the loan, only about 10 to 15% of the borrowed amount is interest. So if you borrow 100 million yen, you're paying the bank back after 35 years, but 115 million yen. Mm. So essentially about 80, 85% of your mortgage repayment is principal. Yeah. And and interest is only, you know, makes up 15% of it. That's where the good deal is because just by living there, you are paying off the principal, the equity, um, you're increasing the equity in the, your property at a very fast rate. Yes. Whereas if you're renting, that's not the case. And in Australia, 50% of your mortgage, for example, is interest. Yeah, yeah. The, the principal goes down very, very slowly. The mm -hmm. equity you build year after year is very, very slow. So in Japan, we don't really have a great deal of capital growth. Yep. But the, the principal you pay down because interest rates are so low is a great deal. Um, if interest rates are 3.5%, right, in Japan it will not be as good a deal anymore and a lot harder to recommend. But when it's, you know, zero money down and 0.5% interest, essentially free money, it's mm. it's too good a deal. So, so that's where the value is rather than um, what, you know, appreciation or depreciation in different locations. But in terms of the bad choices, I, I think the bad choices aren't a location because, you know, Tokyo is kind of, you know, if you're in Tokyo, you're sort of okay. 
yeah. think for the for the most part, right? Yeah. Um, what what I tell people, what I think the bad choices to avoid are: don't settle on something that's not good enough. Because mm. a bad choice. So when you buy a property, it costs about five to seven percent in closing costs. Mm. When you sell a property, it costs three percent in, in agency fees. Okay, so just by choosing the wrong property, let's say you want to buy a place that's a bit too small, and then you know in two or three years time you realize it wasn't the right choice. I need to buy another one. Even if the even if you sell it for the same price that you bought it for, you've lost ten percent in transaction costs. Yeah, 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 of that property. That's that's where you can really lose you know lose significant amount of money in real estate game. Yeah. So rather if you, yeah, and I focus on personal homes largely. Yeah. So rather buy something that you think is right, that you're going to be comfortable, that's going to meet your, your family, you know, your family growth requirements for mm. the next 10 years. Mm. You don't want to sell a property within five years of owning it. Yeah. Is my, is my, uh, um, is my, is my, my general approach, yeah. you know, uh, think, yeah, think more long-term and that way the equity you pay off will be a good value proposition. And then also don't, Sometimes what happens is people think, oh, let me buy the cheapest property in the area. I like this area. Um, and when I, because it's a great area, it's so cheap, but it's, for example, Yogi Uehara is a good example, right? Oh, it's a, it's a great area. I don't want to buy something, but let me get the cheapest, weirdest property. It's cheap for the area. Everything there is 100 million yen. This is 70 million. But when I leave, I can rent it out for a lot and I can sell it for a lot. Well, no, it's 70 million yen for a reason. It's a triangle shape. It's weird. You can't really park a car there. When you rent it out, it's going to have the same kind of weirdness to it. And rental will be discounted. When you try to sell it, it'll be discounted at the same rate. Hmm. What you should do is find it's if it's your long-term plan with a place where you want to raise your family, hmm. right? Find a place that you like that meets your requirements. I think I'm going to be really comfortable here because that will when you want to rent it out, chances are whoever rents it is going to be a similar family structure to yourself. Yeah. And if you want to sell it, whoever buys it will be a similar family structure to to yourself, mm. right? Maybe a gen like you know a, a decade younger, yeah. right? Because they're also going to have a growing family or whatnot. And so that's where it will retain its value. And in the decade or fifteen years, twenty years that you live there, you also want to be comfortable. Mm. Okay, so. Focus on where you're going to be comfortable for a long time. Mm. And it will, I think it will retain its value whether you want to rent it out when you leave Japan in the future or if you want to resell it. Do you suffer lower back pain while sitting in your office or during long haul travel? The lumber jacket may be just the solution you're looking for. This revolutionary product features a built in inflatable and height adjustable lower back support concealed within a fashionable and comfortable garment perfect for work and travel. Visit lumberjacket.com for more details or simply search Lumberjacket on Amazon. Uh, um, Emilia, some fantastic uh, information uh, there. Um, if people want to uh, you know, try to um, <laughs> use your services or just find out a little bit more about you, um, do you have any more? Are you still doing those events that you uh, sort of described earlier, so workshops? Um, and and uh, are you, do you do any of your sort of work stuff on social media or anything like that? Um, yeah, so we've actually just rebranded. So realestate.jp 
is a new brand. So if you go to realestate.jp, uh, how did you, how did you manage to get that domain? <laughs> um, I got that over a decade ago, I think, what? uh, when I was, when I was starting to get interested in it and I, I came across it and unfortunately, so I grabbed it, but it's been dormant for the whole time. And I was using Tokyo realty okay. was the main one, but real estate, the JP is, is now the, the one of the past few months. That's what we've been, you know, setting up. We're hosting, doing the first Japan real estate summit in on February 4th okay. um, in Shibaura, Minatoku. Yeah. We've hired a, a building um, where we live tickets limited to about uh, 80 tickets and okay. they're going on sale. Probably by the time they put this podcast on, if you go to realestate.jp, you will see the, all the, if, even now the information is there, you'll be able to buy tickets. Uh, and it's, I think, for about 4,000 to 5,000 yen. It's a full day session. I'll be talking about personal home buying and financing. We have um, uh, Tracy Northcote talking about short-term stays. Yeah. Um, Blanca Kobayashi talking about renovations. Ziv Nakajima again talking about investment properties. Um, and Matthew Ketchum talking about uh, Akia, abandoned properties. So it's a full day mm -hmm. event. There'll be lunch. Um, networking uh, is also available. Um, and yeah, so that's a big event. And so next, because of COVID, we weren't really doing the seminars. Next year, we'll be doing that that big conference um but also uh i'll be having more of those regular seminars as well but if anyone wants to just generally like you know has an inquiry um the best thing to do is just jump on a one hour generally it's a one hour phone call with me mm -hmm. so just reach out set uh, sales at realestate.jp okay is my email address so yeah just send an email sales at realestate.jp and it'll come to me and we can just jump on a on a you know a phone call generally it takes about an hour or so to really understand your situation, your employment, your financing, and what have you, uh, and then talk about you know what property that you, uh, what properties you're looking for, your property requirements, and to really kick it off. And yes, you can buy a property. I think you are eligible, or no, you're not. And what the process is moving forward. Don't try to Google and figure out on your own. You're going to do yourself a disservice. Send me an email. I'll be happy just to you know jump on a call with you, and and take it from there. Perfect. So unfortunately, they don't get to meet you at the Hobgoblin. Uh, it's only a video call to, to start off with. Yes, but, uh, you know, after we meet each other a few times and you finally buy a place, then uh, drinks yeah. are on me. Cause of celebration for sure. Well, I mean, that's a uh, fantastic, um, really useful, practical information in there. So um, I urge anyone who's uh, interested in buying a property, who's even just uh, starting to think in that direction, um, get in touch with Emil and, uh, and he'll be able to help you out. Um, so thanks very much for coming on the show today. Um, this is uh, at the time of recording, uh, a couple of weeks before Christmas, and uh, I know you're heading back to Australia for vacation tomorrow, and I'm also heading off in a couple yes. of days. So um, I hope you and your family have a fantastic time, and uh, we're looking forward to uh, catching up again in person soon. Yeah, you too. Have a great one, Sam. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and uh, see you on the other side. Thank All you right. so much for having me. Cheers, mate. Bye. Cheers, mate. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Tokyo Living Podcast. If you enjoy the content, we'd love for you to rate, review and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify or wherever you'd like to enjoy your podcast. We look forward to seeing you again on the next episode. Have a healthy and active week.